Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. My name is J.R. Briggs, and normally you would hear Doug Moister and me jump on and greet you with the start of some discussion. As we all know, the world is in a very unique place. Even when we posted last week's Monday Morning Pastor Podcast episode, it feels like so much time has gone by. In fact, the past week almost feels like a month or more. Doug and I began last week on the podcast in part one of a two-part interview with Alan Fadling. And during the discussion, we talked about the COVID-19 coronavirus. We're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled episodes for the next two weeks. We hope to return to part two of that interview with Alan, but we felt it was important to address where pastors and congregants and where all people are really right now. So for the next two weeks, we're going to do this two-part interview with Dave Briggs. You'll hear more about Dave and who he is when I introduce him in just a moment. But with his experience of almost four decades in the financial sector and in Christian stewardship ministry, we felt that this was a very important conversation to have, and we wanted to have it sooner than later. As you know, the world has been impacted deeply by the coronavirus. And as you know, there are already worries and concerns about the significant impact of the global economy, a downturn that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Well, we remain hopeful. And while we remain hopeful and expectant in the God who promises to be an ever-present help in trouble, as Psalm 46 reminds us, we also need to be ready and prepared for the current and future reality that we are facing like never before. Most, if not all of us, have been deeply impacted by the economic ramifications. Not just this week or this month, but in years to come, we will feel it. And some of us have already begun to feel it. Therefore, we want to give you this two-part series. This first conversation today will help all people, not just pastors. It will help all people regardless of their level of income and can help to respond to this new financial reality that exists for every single one of us. Every one of us has some things in our control financially that we can do. It doesn't matter if you're a college student now at home taking your classes online. It doesn't matter if you're a young mother at the end of your rope wondering how you will keep your sanity with your kids home from school. It doesn't matter if you're a worker who's been told to stay away from the office and you're trying to set up a makeshift desk in the guest room or in the closet of your house. It doesn't matter if you're a small business owner wondering how you're going to make it with your business being closed for who knows how long. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor who just got through figuring out how to run an online worship service yesterday and you feel exhausted from trying to carry people's burdens and concerns the past week. Every one of us can do something starting today regarding your finances and your financial future. We won't have a normal outro at the end of this interview like we normally have on other episodes where we leave you with resources, questions, and a benediction. But we do offer resources, links, and even a downloadable PDF on our Kairos Partnerships web website. We will make sure to put this link and resources of, of the website in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. We also hope that you'll join us next Monday for another deeply significant conversation with Dave Briggs. That conversation, pastors, will focus specifically on equipping you, church leaders, church staff teams, and elders on how you can prepare your congregation for the new economic reality that every church will feel that impact. It is so important that pastors think about this 
sooner than later, which is why we want to have these the next few weeks. In fact, the conversation is so important that as soon as it was done being recorded, I sat down with my wife and we implemented many of the practical next steps that Dave suggested. And you can do that too. Doug and I ask very few favors from you all as Monday Morning Pastor podcast listeners. Sometimes we've asked you to email us or to write us a review on iTunes, and those are nice, and we've been very grateful for those. But we need to ask you a more important favor right now. Will you share this interview and the websites listed in the show notes for those in your congregation, for family members or friends and, or others that you believe would benefit from this? This is not about trying to get the word out or to increase our platform, not at all. This is about trying to get the word out to help as many people as possible so that we can help people in this new economic and financial reality. We are in uncharted territory. The map that we used in the past will no longer work in the future, and we need to wake up to that reality right now. We believe that Dave's wisdom and experience will help so many, but we need your help to get that word out. So please share that. Whether it's via email or on social media, we would be grateful if you did. Thanks in advance. Many people listen to this podcast on a walk while working out at the gym or in the car. However, we believe that the information in this will be important enough that we want to encourage you to make sure that you have a pen and paper nearby where you're able to write down these specific principles, resources, and action steps. We really believe it's that important. Enjoy this conversation with Dave Briggs. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome. My name is J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. Welcome to an equipping video on helping people navigate this new financial reality in light of COVID-19, the coronavirus. This video is intended to give you practical and specific ways that we all can prepare, no matter how much money we have, no matter how old or young we are, to prepare for the implications that this outbreak has had on us and will continue to have on us in our economy and our personal finances. So I'm excited for this conversation with Dave Briggs. Dave has been at Central Christian Church of Arizona for 10 years, leading the stewardship ministry over the six campuses of the church. The ministry is called Enrich and creates training, counseling, and teaching for people of all ages in the church. Prior to joining the staff at Central, Dave helped held a similar position at Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area. In 2002, Dave left a 27-year career as a financial manager with General Electric to follow this passion of teaching biblical principles of how to handle money. He has a love for teaching and a desire to help train church leaders to establish thriving and sustainable stewardship ministries. He also serves on the board of an organization called the Christian Stewardship Network, and he's created training videos and has written articles for organizations such as Christianity Today and Dave Ramsey. He and his wife, Debbie, live in the Phoenix area and have two grown sons, of which I am grateful to be one of them. So, Dad, thank you for joining this conversation today. Uh, it's great to be here. <laughs> well, we want to make sure that we share this up front, that this is not any sort of legal or professional financial advice. This is opinion and perspective. It is an opinion that I value 
quite highly. I have personally benefited from your wisdom along and throughout the years, but it is still an opinion of which everyone should use their own discernment and discretion. But let's jump into this important topic because we're all affected, Dad, every single one of us. And this is a crucial moment in the history of our country and our world. And it will continue to have massive implications on all of us, not insignificantly in the area of the economy and our personal finances. So what are your initial reactions just here in these early stages? Again, we're very early in the process, but what are you feeling in this initial stage? Well, obviously, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And probably my first thought was for those who really haven't taken much time in the past to prepare. Things have changed so rapidly. And we're in a situation where this is unique. This is a, a once in a lifetime event. And I, I know in dealing with a lot of people that there are a lot of people who have simply not spent the time preparing. And this is really going to tip a lot of them over. And it, it really, the second thing that came to mind were, were three specific Bible passages which bring about some wisdom and kind of set up, I think, our discussion for today. The first is in Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24. And, and I find this fascinating because this was written 3,000 years ago, and it says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. And back 3,000 years ago, a lot of people had their assets in flocks and herds. And what the Bible is teaching us is because of the uncertainty of riches, we have a personal responsibility to know the condition of our assets, to know how much we have and the quality and where it is, and to pay close attention because riches do not endure forever. And that, boy, that certainly fits our time. And then in Proverbs 6, uh, verses 6 through 8 says, go to the ant because the ant is wise. And even though the ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in the harvest. Mm. And then Proverbs 21, 20 says, in the house to the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all he has. And it, again, you asked me what my first impression was. And my first impression was, the Bible is incredibly wise in helping us prepare for times like these. Mm. And so using that as our reference, um, I, I'm afraid to say that I believe this situation is going to get worse before it gets better. And as a result, we cannot afford to live our financial lives in the future the way we've lived them in the past. We've got to introduce new and better ways and a, a different way of thinking so we know well the condition of our flocks and our herds. Mm. I also think, and this is really important, this is a time to provide help, compassion, education, and support to those who will be affected by this new reality. Those are kind of my thoughts, and, and I know you and I both want to do everything we possibly can to help people navigate through what really is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. And we certainly, you know, it's so unprecedented. We have no idea what this is going to mean. Like, we may look back and laugh, right? We may look back and go, we didn't prepare enough. It's hard to know, and we certainly want to avoid 
apathy and flippancy, and we also want to avoid hysterics and panic. And so I'm just curious, just in some of our initial reactions here, what this is going to do for the economy, how do we find that balance between um, avoiding apathy and avoiding panic? Yeah. Well, one of the things I've found very, very helpful over the years is to get very specific about that which we can control and that which we cannot control. And even to the point where I would suggest people uh, get out a piece of paper and put a line down the middle and list all of the things that are beyond our control and then all of the things that are within our control and do two things. The list that we can't control, don't spend any energy worrying about those things. Those that we can control to specifically create an action plan for addressing every single one of those things we can control, specifically in the area of our finances. And one of the things that we can control is to stay in a logical mode and to avoid emotional mode. The more emotion that we introduce, the worse our decisions are going to be. And part of the problem is that when we get emotional as humans, we tend to make really bad decisions. And this is a time we can't afford to make anything other than sound, logical, well thought out decisions. Another thing is we just can't fret about the stock market. If you're just looking at the stock market, then you're going to spend your whole time uh, being incredibly depressed over something that you can't do anything about. So don't fret about the stock market. And uh, as you make those lists of the things you can control, I would also suggest a list of creative, positive ways in which you can help people during this time that need the help more than you do. And so uh, I think the idea of, of getting more specific than we normally do is going to help us a lot as we determine our action plans within our personal finances as well as ways that we can help. So give, give us an example. What do you mean by more specific? Can you think of a few things off the top of your head? Well, um, I think we need to get specific about creating three different ways to think through this. First of all, I think every one of us, no matter what our financial condition is, we need to concentrate during this time on creating more financial margin. Financial margin is simply defined as the difference between money coming in and money going out. We've got to, we've got to increase the gap between money coming in and money going out, which will increase our margin. So that's a very specific focus, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Then I think we need to ask ourselves, how can we use some of this extra margin to not only provide a safety net for us, but to help others? And then we also need to recognize that this is not a time for us to decrease our generosity. And so those are three very specific things that, that I want to focus on. But as we get more specific in terms of what we can do immediately, um, at the micro level, I think, I think we're dealing with people who find themselves in two different situations. One situation would be people who feel comfortable that they have a stable income, 
but their life is just completely turned upside down, not necessarily for financial reasons, but because of everything going on in the economy. This is a tremendous time for them to focus on maximizing their financial margin because in, finan in, in maximizing their financial margin, they're also going to be in a better position to improve their long-term financial health as well as be able to use that to help others. And so then the question is, what are some of the specific things all of us can do to increase our financial margin? First thing I would say is get in the habit every single day of writing down everything you spend. And that would include the date. It would include what you purchased. So what you purchased is not Walmart or Safeway. It's groceries. It's supplies. It's what we actually purchased. And then the amount we paid for it. And it needs to be done every day with every item purchased. Now, the reason why that's important is I have found over the years that human nature will, in fact, cause us to think differently the more information we have. And as people who've never written down what they spend start writing down what they spend, they spend less. And sometimes they spend between 10 and 25% less simply by knowing what they're spending and writing it down. It's an activity that has to happen every day. The next thing that is very important is, and this is just a suggestion, we don't know how long this is going to last, but I would suggest we carve out a 90-day period in which we're going to use extreme measures during that 90-day period. And so what we're going to do is we're going to identify all of the expenses during that 90-day period that we can either reduce or eliminate. And I would suggest we set a goal within our families to immediately begin to reduce between 10 and 25% of what we call discretionary uh, spending. Mm. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, as we get specific, what I would say is to list every event, activity, trip, restaurant, meals, etc., that have been canceled or reduced and assign a, assign a cost-saved amount to each one of those. Mm. And then take that money and set it aside into three different accounts. One would be to reduce debt. Next, next would be to add to savings. And the third would be to fund an account to help others struggling financially. All funded by the extra money we didn't spend by all the things that were canceled. Mm, yeah. And then you can you can divide those up any way you want. But those are the three things that I would particularly suggest for people who have not had their salaries cut, but are voluntarily going to shrink their lifestyle to be able to fund these three important things. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things, uh, Dad, that I found to be so helpful is you saying whatever we thought was our financial past, we have to think different in our financial future. And I think more than anything else, that's the highlight that I want to put on the conversation thus far. It's not going to be the same as we've always had it. It is not status quo. It's a new reality that we're all waking up to. And so these kind of things, you say, oh, I didn't need to do that in the past. 
you might not have, but in the future is a different set of rules. Yeah, and, and the new reality is going to cause us to think differently, and it's going to cause us to act differently, and it's going to cause us to evaluate differently. Do we really need to spend the money on something we've been spending it in the past? Because as humans, we're all human. When when things are moving along in a very smooth way, we tend to get kind of lazy. And it happens in our finances. And we cannot afford, both during the next 90 days, 180 days, or for the rest of our lives, we can't afford to let laziness hurt our finances and our ability to help others with our finances. That's good. That's good. So um, as we as we move into this, I, I also believe that, and, and I know you do too, that there are going to be some people in our communities and in our circle of influence that are really going to be hurting. They're going to be hurting because um, they lost their job immediately. They did not have a safety net, and they're not going to know where to turn. And those of us that have some resources, may you may even have to adopt a family or two and pay, and, and pay very specific attention to how you can help a family that you know is really struggling. And so then we shift over to the people who really don't have a lot of safety net, in which case they're going to have to take some more dramatic actions. Um, I would suggest that as you as you compared what we've done in the past to what we're going to do in the future, is to start by identifying every single expense item that we have been spending in the past and to define each one of those expenses into what I call four different buckets. The first bucket would be fixed obligations that you really can't or shouldn't reduce. And what would be an example of that? Is that that's like your mortgage and your house, your house payment, your mortgage, your rent, uh, your car payment, those things where you committed to a fixed obligation that's important in the way that you're living your life. So you're, you're putting into bucket one all of those obligations, what we owe or what we're going to be paying on a monthly basis for those fixed obligations. And that's bucket number one. Bucket number two would be important expenses that you cannot eliminate but could be reduced. Perfect example there would be uh, food. Yeah, so we, we may not be able to get our enjoy all the ice cream or the desserts we had before. Doesn't mean we yes. eliminate it all, but we can squeeze it down to maybe to the to what we actually need. There's no way you can eliminate eating, but clearly the items in bucket two are necessary, important expenses for which we can trim back. Another one might be gas. Uh, we obviously have to have gas, but we can make fewer trips. We can consolidate our trips. We can reduce gas by being wiser. Well. Okay, so that's bucket number two. Bucket number three would be discretionary items that we need, but you can cut back or defer. An example here would be clothes. We all need to buy clothes, but, you know, we probably could go 90 days and not spend anything or spend almost nothing on clothes. Mm. Okay, so we're not saying it's not important, but those are things that can be pushed off or eliminated, particularly over the next 90 days. And bucket number four would be items 
that are totally discretionary and we can choose to stop 100% right now. So let's say we got a trip planned in two months, we're gonna completely cancel that. Or um, we've uh, decided that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, host a, a party or buy something that we feel like we've been uh, looking at and, and would love to have. It's, it's purely just, you know, we're gonna, uh, we've been saving up to buy new golf clubs or something like that, where we're just simply going your to kids, eliminate the kids soccer game or soccer camp or something coming up for the summer. Is that, is that kind of in that category? I'm not saying these things aren't going to be painful to eliminate, but what's in bucket four, we have the complete total discretion to immediately eliminate. Okay. okay? Pain is not an issue here. All yeah. of these things are going to be painful. What's the issue here is what is controllable and what we can do immediately. Now, and I think by putting them into the four different buckets will give us an opportunity to think differently about the strategy we're going to take with each and every bucket. Okay, so just to summarize, so bucket one, again, are obligations, kind of like mortgage or rent. We've got to pay it. It's that fixed amount. Um, second two, the, the bucket number two, the second one would be the things that are important, but we can trim out or thin down like groceries, food, or gas. The third bucket would be discretionary, somewhat discretionary. We can cut back or defer on, such as buying clothes. And then the fourth one, completely discretionary, might be things like going on a vacation or a big trip or uh, golf clubs we've been saving up for. Is, is, that, is that just summarizing those four yeah. buckets? I think this is so important and this is so valuable. I want to make sure we get this right. Yeah, and, and let me say something about bucket number one. For those who are really struggling to just kind of make it through, uh, even some of those fixed obligations, I would suggest you contact those people and say, given this current circumstance, can we work out a different way for me to meet this obligation by perhaps for the next few months reducing my obligation? And then as soon as things um, you know, get, get a little bit more back to normal, then I'll double back up again. And what we found is a number of places that we owe fixed obligations to, if you call them and talk to them, you can work out a new schedule that will keep them happy while you are actually paying less against your fixed obligations. So I would definitely recommend that for everything in bucket number one. Okay. Yep. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned the idea that, or that the principle, the reality is that it will be painful. And so we, we can, you and I can probably hear people in our head saying, but my kid really wants to go to camp. We've been planning for that trip forever. It's our 30th anniversary or our food you know, budget. We've always got to have the Pringles, you know, after dinner as a, as a nightly snack. And I, I know we're trying, we're not trying to be facetious. These are real comments that you and I have received from people. And so we just need to stress again, it will be painful. It will require sacrifices maybe even more than we realize at this very moment that we're talking, not to be alarmist, but we must be real and prepared and concerned about it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I think uh, people will find helpful is this idea of, of creating like a 90-day survival mode mentality. Huh. You know, we don't know how long this lasts, but I think it helps people to know we're going to take this thing in 90-day chunks. And so we're going to make certain commitments over the next 90 days to do certain things and to not do certain things. Mm. 
and frame it up around 90 days. And then after 90 days, we're going to be a whole lot smarter about what the next 90 days bring and we'll create a different plan. Yeah. I think a lot of times people are willing to make extraordinary sacrifices if they know it's within a defined period of time. Yeah. So, so instead of a marathon, almost see it as a, almost like a, like a 5K. Just do 90 days and let's take right. a break and see where we're at and maybe run another 5K. Is that what Absolutely. you're recommending? So, so we, we, we almost need to, again, absorb this and live by this idea that we're going to do things we could not do over the long term but we can do these things for 90 days. And again, one example was we're not going to buy one shred of clothing for the next 90 days. Everybody can do that. Yeah. Can't say that forever, but you can yeah. do it for 90 days. Yeah. That we're going to commit to write down everything we spend for 90 days. Mm. We're going to commit to make sure that nothing on um, bucket three and four gets spent that isn't absolutely necessary. And I, I do think this idea of a 90-day challenge, a 90-day survival mentality um, is, is, is probably the most effective way to go. Mm. Now, some people who are wanting to take this seriously are going to have to communicate this, uh, these, some of these painful cutbacks to their own children. What yes. would you recommend as to how parents, I know that it's different than from a teenager than someone who's in elementary school, but what principles would you want to give to parents as to communicating this to their own kids? Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I've spent some time thinking about that. I, I think a lot of times parents make the mistake of saying, well, these are adult issues. We want to shield our kids from the reality I don't think that's wise. I think what you do is you gather the family together for a family meeting and you say that, you know, there are times when, when, when we have to do some things that are not normal, but they're very important. And during the next 90 days, um, we are going to have to live differently than we've lived in the past. And there are some very important reasons for that. And so based on the age of your kids, you, bring them into, not to worry them, but, but to get them to understand reality. And then as, as silly as this might sound, for certain kids, they would respond well to almost making this kind of a game or a challenge. How many good ideas can you come up with that can help our family to spend less money over the next 90 days? Mm. And, and engage the kids in not a gloom and doom scenario, but a, let's just see what our family can accomplish when we all put our heads together for the next 90 days to, to see how many great ideas we can come up with not to spend money or to spend less. And as you engage the kids in that kind of a challenge, um, you'll, you'll all be moving in the same direction and, and actually will help them to get in touch with reality without, without them feeling like, you know, like everything is gloom and doom. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I do believe that this becomes an issue the whole family has to engage in. Mm. Yep. A couple other things I would uh, want to mention too as we go through this process. Do not just load up your credit cards at this point. Do everything you can possibly do to avoid charging anything that you don't absolutely have to charge. 
And what would be in that absolutely have to charge category? Maybe we can give people a little bit more direction on that. Well, of course, every family is going to be different. But let's say, um, you know, you, you have to get some really critical medicine for one of your kids and you just don't have the, the cash on hand. You, you, you might have to charge it. But absolutely, under no circumstances should any discretionary spending be put on the credit card. So, you know, again, every family is going to be different there. But the idea that we're not going to supplement our lifestyle with credit during this 90 days is a mindset that you just have to, you just have to, uh, to, to keep in front of you. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, we, we as Americans are very independent and we're very proud. Do not resist any help other people want to give you. This is a time when, you know, Christians have historically, going back to the early church, you know, they sold things when they had extra to help others, and then there'd be time when others will, you know, we need to help each other, but part of helping each other also means accepting help from others when they want to help us. So to swallow some of our pride, no, 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 we're fine, but to say, yeah, we will receive that. Absolutely. That's going to be hard for some of us. And then the other thing, too, is contact your bank for any programs they may have to be able to ease any short-term financial burdens and any relationships you may have with them. Things like, you know, foregoing any kind of fees on checking accounts and things like that. I know a lot of banks are positioned to help, but we have to ask. Yeah. Okay. The other thing, this is a small thing that some people may not have thought about, is eliminate all auto debit payments from your bank. You know how for convenience, a lot of times we allow uh, companies to just pull money out of our account. We'll eliminate all of those because there may be some that you don't want to pay right now and you want to postpone and you want to work with them. You don't want that money disappearing because it was happening on an automatic debit. Mm. And then I know this is kind of obvious, but cancel all subscriptions and memberships for the next 90 days. Hmm. I can't think of any subscription or membership apart from maybe Netflix, if you've got nothing to do, but I would say the vast majority of subscriptions and memberships can be canceled. Hmm. Hmm. And then don't hesitate to, you know, consider, you know, food pantries or looking for part-time work um, or, you know, different things, different things like that. And, And I know this, is is kind of tricky, but consider selling items before going into more debt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy, these are very practical, incredibly practical. I want to respond to just two, one of them and then ask you a question back to clarify more specifically on one. The food pantry in our community has made it very clear, this is not just for those who are homeless. In fact, oftentimes you'll see people come in from work, you know, a white collar kind of situation, they say, we will never ask questions. You never have to qualify by making X amount of money or not making X amount of money to eat there. They said oftentimes they would have, for example, like a, like a divorce situation where there's, there's child support payment. He's got a good job, but a lot of child support is going and he's got some other financial realities. He would come and eat uh, three or four times a week there, but save the money he didn't spend on food and actually spend it toward things like child support or on rent or things like that. And they think that's a beautiful way to serve the community. So 
we sometimes think that that those food soup can soup kitchens or food pantries are just for those who are homeless or in a completely dire straits. They never check ID. They're never asking about your level of, at least in our community. And I know many communities, that's the same way. So there's a stigma around that sometimes. And I think we need to let go of that stigma, especially in times like this, as well as if we can help to be willing to help in places like food pantries, which are just going to have increased need yeah, and, and that's why I'm glad you brought that up, because I think the other side of it is those of us who who have resources and have a steady job, this would be a great time to put some of that extra margin into helping to provide food for the food pantries. Mm-hmm. Great. And then here's the question I have. You mentioned about the bank and talking to the bank. Um, I want to be careful. We don't, you know, it's not doom and gloom or panic at this point. But I know some people are already beginning to ask me, should I take cash out of the bank and keep it at my house? Uh, should I leave it in the bank? Is that safe? Or should I actually have a whole bunch of cash on hand? How might you respond to them if they were to ask that question? Yeah, the banks are going to be fine. The banks are not going under. So no, t- taking a lot of cash out for fear purposes is not something I would recommend. However, however, if you have been buying most of what you buy on credit, on your credit card, I would take a whole bunch of cash out and use cash instead of credit when you're buying the necessities because when you use cash, you actually spend less than when you're charging it. So yes, I think it's a good idea to have cash, not for fearful purposes, but for being able to actually use cash to spend less. Yeah, great. That's very helpful. Now, we're going to list some resources here on the website, and but I know some of them you've mentioned already were Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, Ron Blue, as in the color, ronblue.com. has been very helpful. Compass Financial Ministries and Generous Giving. We will list all those and others on the website uh, and put the links there for you. If you want to look for further uh, tools and resources, there are a lot of them are available, and we'll make sure that those are available to you. Before we end, Dad, is there anything else that you haven't shared that you want to make sure that you share and pass on to anyone who might be looking to make a difference and change in this new economic and financial reality? Well, there's one thing I was going to mention that I didn't mention that probably very few people know about, but may be very helpful now, is that you can actually get Form 9465 from the IRS, which will allow you to ask them for an installment payment on your taxes rather than having to pay them all on April 15th. And if paying your taxes due um, on an installment basis would be, uh, would be good, uh, you, can, uh, you can call up on, your, on the IRS website, Form 9465, and actually go that route. It's one thing that may end up saving some cash flow to people as they spread out their tax payments. Yeah, that's great. IRS form 9465. We'll also put a link to that uh, in in our notes as well. Uh, But thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for watching this uh, video as well. We want to encourage you to share this with others that you think would benefit from this kind of resource in this new economic reality. Check out the other resources in the links that are listed below, as I mentioned. And stay tuned. We're going to have other uh, video resources that we're going to create specifically uh, upcoming that we know about for pastors and for church leaders and Christian leaders with resources. Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. 
brought to you in partnership with Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. My name is J.R. Briggs, and normally you would hear Doug Moister and me jump on and greet you with the start of some discussion. As we all know, the world is in a very unique place. Even when we posted last week's Monday Morning Pastor podcast episode, it feels like so much time has gone by. In fact, the past week almost feels like a month or more. Doug and I began last week on the podcast in part one of a two-part interview with Alan Fadling. And during the discussion, we talked about the COVID-19 coronavirus. We're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled episodes for the next two weeks. We hope to return to part two of that interview with Alan, but we felt it was important to address where pastors and congregants and where all people are really right now. So for the next two weeks, we're going to do this two-part interview with Dave Briggs. You'll hear more about Dave and who he is when I introduce him in just a moment. But with his experience of almost four decades in the financial sector and in Christian stewardship ministry, we felt that this was a very important conversation to have, and we wanted to have it sooner than later. As you know, the world has been impacted deeply by the coronavirus. And as you know, there are already worries and concerns about the significant impact of the global economy, a downturn that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Well, we remain hopeful. And while we remain hopeful and expectant in the God who promises to be an ever-present help in trouble, as Psalm 46 reminds us, we also need to be ready and prepared for the current and future reality that we are facing like never before. Most, if not all of us, have been deeply impacted by the economic ramifications. Not just this week or this month, but in years to come, we will feel it. And some of us have already begun to feel it. Therefore, we want to give you this two-part series. This first conversation today will help all people, not just pastors. It will help all people regardless of their level of income and can help to respond to this new financial reality that exists for every single one of us. Every one of us has some things in our control financially that we can do. It doesn't matter if you're a college student now at home taking your classes online. It doesn't matter if you're a young mother at the end of your rope wondering how you will keep your sanity with your kids home from school. It doesn't matter if you're a worker who's been told to stay away from the office and you're trying to set up a makeshift desk in the guest room or in the closet of your house. It doesn't matter if you're a small business owner wondering how you're going to make it with your business being closed for who knows how long. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor who just got through figuring out how to run an online worship service yesterday and you feel exhausted from trying to carry people's burdens and concerns the past week. Every one of us can do something starting today regarding your finances and your financial future. We won't have a normal outro at the end of this interview like we normally have on other episodes where we leave you with resources, questions, and a benediction. But we do offer resources, links, and even a downloadable PDF on our Kairos Partnerships web website. We will make sure to put this link and the resources of, of the website in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. We also hope that you'll join us next Monday for another deeply significant conversation with Dave Briggs. That conversation, pastors, will focus specifically on equipping you, church leaders, church staff teams, and elders on how you can prepare your congregation for the new economic reality that every church will feel that impact. It is so important that pastors think about this 
sooner than later, which is why we want to have these the next few weeks. In fact, the conversation is so important that as soon as it was done being recorded, I sat down with my wife and we implemented many of the practical next steps that Dave suggested. And you can do that too. Doug and I ask very few favors from you all as Monday Morning Pastor Podcast listeners. Sometimes we've asked you to email us or to write us a review on iTunes, and those are nice, and we've been very grateful for those. But we need to ask you a more important favor right now. Will you share this interview and the websites listed in the show notes for those in your congregation, for family members or friends and, or others that you believe would benefit from this? This is not about trying to get the word out or to increase our platform, not at all. This is about trying to get the word out to help as many people as possible so that we can help people in this new economic and financial reality. We are in uncharted territory. The map that we used in the past will no longer work in the future, and we need to wake up to that reality right now. We believe that Dave's wisdom and experience will help so many, but we need your help to get that word out. So please share that. Whether it's via email or on social media, we would be grateful if you did. Thanks in advance. Many people listen to this podcast on a walk while working out at the gym or in the car. However, we believe that the information in this will be important enough that we want to encourage you to make sure that you have a pen and paper nearby where you're able to write down these specific principles, resources, and action steps. We really believe it's that important. Enjoy this conversation with Dave Briggs. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome. My name is J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. Welcome to an equipping video on helping people navigate this new financial reality in light of COVID-19, the coronavirus. This video is intended to give you practical and specific ways that we all can prepare, no matter how much money we have, no matter how old or young we are, to prepare for the implications that this outbreak has had on us and will continue to have on us in our economy and our personal finances. So I'm excited for this conversation with Dave Briggs. Dave has been at Central Christian Church of Arizona for 10 years, leading the stewardship ministry over the six campuses of the church. The ministry is called Enrich and creates training, counseling, and teaching for people of all ages in the church. Prior to joining the staff at Central, Dave helped held a similar position at Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area. In 2002, Dave left a 27-year career as a financial manager with General Electric to follow this passion of teaching biblical principles of how to handle money. He has a love for teaching and a desire to help train church leaders to establish thriving and sustainable stewardship ministries. He also serves on the board of an organization called the Christian Stewardship Network, and he's created training videos and has written articles for organizations such as Christianity Today and Dave Ramsey. He and his wife, Debbie, live in the Phoenix area and have two grown sons, of which I am grateful to be one of them. So, Dad, thank you for joining this conversation today. Uh, it's great to be here. <laughs> well, we want to make sure that we share this up front, that this is not any sort of legal or professional financial advice. This is opinion and perspective. It is an opinion that I value 
quite highly. I have personally benefited from your wisdom along and throughout the years, but it is still an opinion of which everyone should use their own discernment and discretion. But let's jump into this important topic because we're all affected, Dad, every single one of us. And this is a crucial moment in the history of our country and our world. And it will continue to have massive implications on all of us, not insignificantly in the area of the economy and our personal finances. So what are your initial reactions just here in these early stages? Again, we're very early in the process, but what are you feeling in this initial stage? Well, obviously, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And probably my first thought was for those who really haven't taken much time in the past to prepare. Things have changed so rapidly. And we're in a situation where this is unique. This is a, a once-in-a-lifetime event. And I, I know in dealing with a lot of people that there are a lot of people who have simply not spent the time preparing. And this is really going to tip a lot of them over. And it, it really, the second thing that came to mind were, were three specific Bible passages which bring about some wisdom and kind of set up, I think, our discussion for today. The first is in Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24. And, and I find this fascinating because this was written 3,000 years ago, and it says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. And back 3,000 years ago, a lot of people had their assets in flocks and herds. And what the Bible is teaching us is because of the uncertainty of riches, we have a personal responsibility to know the condition of our assets, to know how much we have and the quality and where it is, and to pay close attention because riches do not endure forever. And that, boy, that certainly fits our time. And then Proverbs 6, uh, verses 6 through 8 says, go to the ant because the ant is wise. And even though the ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in the harvest. Mm. And then Proverbs 21, 20 says, And the house to the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all he has. And it, again, you asked me what my first impression was. And my first impression was, the Bible is incredibly wise in helping us prepare for times like these. Mm. And so using that as our reference, um, I, I'm afraid to say that I believe this situation is going to get worse before it gets better. And as a result, we cannot afford to live our financial lives in the future the way we've lived them in the past. We've got to introduce new and better ways and a, a different way of thinking so we know well the condition of our flocks and our herds. Mm. I also think, and this is really important, this is a time to provide help, compassion, education, and support to those who will be affected by this new reality. Those are kind of my thoughts, and, and I know you and I both want to do everything we possibly can to help people navigate through what really is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. And we certainly, you know, it's so unprecedented. We have no idea what this is going to mean. Like, we may look back and laugh, right? We may look back and go, we didn't prepare enough. It's hard to know, and we certainly want to avoid 
apathy and flippancy, and we also want to avoid hysterics and panic. And so I'm just curious, just in some of our initial reactions here, what this is going to do for the economy. How do we find that balance between um, avoiding apathy and avoiding panic? Yeah. Well, one of the things I've found very, very helpful over the years is to get very specific about that which we can control and that which we cannot control. And even to the point where I would suggest people uh, get out a piece of paper and put a line down the middle and list all of the things that are beyond our control and then all of the things that are within our control and do two things. The list that we can't control, don't spend any energy worrying about those things. Those that we can control to specifically create an action plan for addressing every single one of those things we can control, specifically in the area of our finances. And one of the things that we can control is to stay in a logical mode and to avoid emotional mode. The more emotion that we introduce, the worse our decisions are going to be. And part of the problem is that when we get emotional as humans, we tend to make really bad decisions. And this is a time we can't afford to make anything other than sound, logical, well thought out decisions. Another thing is we just can't fret about the stock market. If you're just looking at the stock market, then you're going to spend your whole time uh, being incredibly depressed over something that you can't do anything about. So mm. don't fret about the stock market. And uh, as you make those lists of the things you can control, I would also suggest a list of creative, positive ways in which you can help people during this time that need the help more than you do. And so uh, I think the idea of of getting more specific than we normally do is going to help us a lot as we determine our action plans within our personal finances as well as ways that we can help. So give, give us an example. What do you mean by more specific? Can you think of a few things off the top of your head? Well, um, I think we need to get specific about creating three different ways to think through this. First of all, I think every one of us, no matter what our financial condition is, we need to concentrate during this time on creating more financial margin. Financial margin is simply defined as the difference between money coming in and money going out. We've got to, we've got to increase the gap between money coming in and money going out, which will increase our margin. So that's a very specific focus, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Then I think we need to ask ourselves, how can we use some of this extra margin to not only provide a safety net for us, but to help others? And then we also need to recognize that this is not a time for us to decrease our generosity. And so those are three very specific things that, that I want to focus on. But as we get more specific in terms of what we can do immediately, um, at the micro level, I think, I think we're dealing with people who find themselves in two different situations. One situation would be people who feel comfortable that they have a stable income, 
but their life is just completely turned upside down, not necessarily for financial reasons, but because of everything going on in the economy. This is a tremendous time for them to focus on maximizing their financial margin because in, finan in, in maximizing their financial margin, they're also going to be in a better position to improve their long-term financial health as well as be able to use that to help others. And so then the question is, what are some of the specific things all of us can do to increase our financial margin? First thing I would say is get in the habit every single day of writing down everything you spend. And that would include the date. It would include what you purchased. So what you purchased is not Walmart or Safeway. It's groceries. It's supplies. It's what we actually purchased. And then the amount we paid for it. And it needs to be done every day with every item purchased. Now, the reason why that's important is I have found over the years that human nature will, in fact, cause us to think differently the more information we have. And as people who've never written down what they spend start writing down what they spend, they spend less. And sometimes they spend between 10 and 25% less simply by knowing what they're spending and writing it down. It's an activity that has to happen every day. The next thing that is very important is, and this is just a suggestion, we don't know how long this is going to last, but I would suggest we carve out a 90-day period in which we're going to use extreme measures during that 90-day period. And so what we're going to do is we're going to identify all of the expenses during that 90-day period that we can either reduce or eliminate. And I would suggest we set a goal within our families to immediately begin to reduce between 10 and 25% of what we call discretionary uh, spending. Mm. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, as we get specific, what I would say is to list every event, activity, trip, restaurant, meals, etc., that have been canceled or reduced and aside a, assign a cost-saved amount to each one of those. Mm. And then take that money and set it aside into three different accounts. One would be to reduce debt. Next, next would be to add to savings. And the third would be to fund an account to help others struggling financially. All funded by the extra money we didn't spend by all the things that were canceled. Mm, yeah. And then you can you can divide those up any way you want. But those are the three things that I would particularly suggest for people who have not had their salaries cut, but are voluntarily going to shrink their lifestyle to be able to fund these three important things. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things, uh, Dad, that I found to be so helpful is you saying whatever we thought was our financial past, we have to think different in our financial future. And I think more than anything else, that's the highlight that I want to put on the conversation thus far. It's not going to be the same as we've always had it. It is not status quo. It's a new reality that we're all waking up to. And so these kind of things, you say, oh, I didn't need to do that in the past. 
you might not have, but in the future is a different set of rules. Yeah, and, and the new reality is going to cause us to think differently, and it's going to cause us to act differently, and it's going to cause us to evaluate differently. Do we really need to spend the money on something we've been spending it in the past? Because as humans, we're all human. When when things are moving along in a very smooth way, we tend to get kind of lazy. And it happens in our finances. And we cannot afford, both during the next 90 days, 180 days, or for the rest of our lives, we can't afford to let laziness hurt our finances and our ability to help others with our finances. That's good. That's good. So um, as we as we move into this, I, I also believe that, and I know you do too, that there are going to be some people in our communities and in our circle of influence that are really going to be hurting. They're going to be hurting because um, they lost their job immediately. They did not have a safety net and they're not going to know where to turn. And those of us that have some resources, may you may even have to adopt a family or two and pay, and, and pay very specific attention to how you can help a family that you know is really struggling. And so then we shift over to the people who really don't have a lot of safety net, in which case they're going to have to take some more dramatic actions. Um, I would suggest that as you as you compared what we've done in the past to what we're going to do in the future, is to start by identifying every single expense item that we have been spending in the past and to define each one of those expenses into what I call four different buckets. The first bucket would be fixed obligations that you really can't or shouldn't reduce. And what would be an example of that? Is that that's like your mortgage and your house, your house payment, your mortgage, your rent, uh, your car payment, those things where you committed to a fixed obligation that's important in the way that you're living your life. So you're, you're putting into bucket one all of those obligations, what we owe or what we're going to be paying on a monthly basis for those fixed obligations. And that's bucket number one. Bucket number two would be important expenses that you cannot eliminate but could be reduced. Perfect example there would be uh, food. Yeah, so we, we may not be able to get our enjoy all the ice cream or the desserts we had before. Doesn't mean we yes. eliminate it all, but we can squeeze it down to maybe to the to what we actually need. There's no way you can eliminate eating, but clearly the items in bucket two are necessary, important expenses for which we can trim back. Another one might be gas. Uh, we obviously have to have gas, but we can make fewer trips. We can consolidate our trips. We can reduce gas by being wiser. Well. Okay, so that's bucket number two. Bucket number three would be discretionary items that we need, but you can cut back or defer. An example here would be clothes. We all need to buy clothes, but, you know, we probably could go 90 days and not spend anything or spend almost nothing on clothes. Mm. Okay, so we're not saying it's not important, but those are things that can be pushed off or eliminated, particularly over the next 90 days. And bucket number four would be items 
that are totally discretionary and we can choose to stop 100% right now. So let's say we got a trip planned in two months, we're gonna completely cancel that. Or um, we've uh, decided that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, host a, a party or buy something that we feel like we've been uh, looking at and, and would love to have. It's, it's purely just, you know, we're gonna, uh, we've been saving up to buy new golf clubs or something like that, where we're just simply going your to kids, eliminate your kids soccer game or soccer camp or something coming up for the summer. Is that, is that kind of in that category? I'm not saying these things aren't going to be painful to eliminate, but what's in bucket four, we have the complete total discretion to immediately eliminate. Okay. okay? Pain is not an issue here. All yeah. of these things are going to be painful. What's the issue here is what is controllable and what we can do immediately. And, and I think by putting them into the four different buckets will give us an opportunity to think differently about the strategy we're going to take with each and every bucket. Okay, so just to summarize, so bucket one, again, are obligations, kind of like mortgage or rent. We've got to pay it. It's that fixed amount. Um, second two, the, the bucket number two, the second one would be the things that are important, but we can trim out or thin down like groceries, food, or gas. The third bucket would be discretionary, somewhat discretionary, we can cut back or defer on, such as buying clothes. And then the fourth one, completely discretionary, might be things like going on a vacation or a big trip or uh, golf clubs we've been saving up for. Is, is, that, is that just summarizing those four yeah. buckets? I think this is so important and this is so valuable. I want to make sure we get this right. Yeah, and, and let me say something about bucket number one. For those who are really struggling to just kind of make it through, uh, even some of those fixed obligations, I would suggest you contact those people and say, given this current circumstance, can we work out a different way for me to meet this obligation by perhaps for the next few months reducing my obligation and then as soon as things um, you know, get, get a little bit more back to normal, then I'll double back up again. And what we found is a number of places that we owe fixed obligations to, if you call them and talk to them, you can work out a new schedule that will keep them happy while you are actually paying less against your fixed obligations. So I would definitely recommend that for everything in bucket number one. Okay. Yep. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned the idea that, or that the principle, the reality is that it will be painful. And so we, we can, you and I can probably hear people in our head saying, but my kid really wants to go to camp. We've been planning for that trip forever. It's our 30th anniversary or our food you know, budget. We've always got to have the Pringles, you know, after dinner as a, as a nightly snack. And I, I know we're trying, we're not trying to be facetious. These are real comments that you and I have received from people. And so we just need to stress again, it will be painful. It will require sacrifices, maybe even more than we realize at this very moment that we're talking, not to be alarmist, but we must be real and prepared and concerned about it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I think uh, people will find helpful is this idea of, of creating like a 90-day survival mode mentality. Huh. You know, we don't know how long this lasts, but I think it helps people to know we're going to take this thing in 90-day chunks. And so we're going to make certain commitments over the next 90 days to do certain things and to not do certain things. Mm. 
and frame it up around 90 days. And then after 90 days, we're going to be a whole lot smarter about what the next 90 days bring and we'll create a different plan. Yeah. I think a lot of times people are willing to make extraordinary sacrifices if they know it's within a defined period of time. Yeah. So, so instead of a marathon, almost see it as a, almost like a, like a 5K. Just do 90 days and let's take right. a break and see where we're at and maybe run another 5K. Is that what Absolutely. you're recommending? So, so we, we, we almost need to, again, absorb this and, and live by this idea that we're going to do things we could not do over the long term but we can do these things for 90 days. And again, one example was we're not going to buy one shred of clothing for the next 90 days. Everybody can do that. Yeah. can't say that forever, but you can yeah. do it for 90 days. Yeah. That we're going to commit to write down everything we spend for 90 days. Mm. We're going to commit to make sure that nothing on um, bucket three and four gets spent that isn't absolutely necessary. And I, I do think this idea of a 90-day challenge, a 90-day survival mentality um, is, is, is probably the most effective way to go. Mm. Now, some people who are wanting to take this seriously are going to have to communicate this, uh, these, some of these painful cutbacks to their own children. What yes. would you recommend as to how parents, and knowing that it's different than from a teenager than someone who's in elementary school, but what principles would you want to give to parents as to communicating this to their own kids? Yeah, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I've spent some time thinking about that. I, I think a lot of times parents make the mistake of saying, well, these are adult issues. We want to shield our kids from the reality I don't think that's wise. I think what you do is you gather the family together for a family meeting and you say that, you know, there are times when, when, when we have to do some things that are not normal, but they're very important. And during the next 90 days, um, we're going to have to live differently than we've lived in the past. And there are some very important reasons for that. And so based on the age of your kids, you, bring them into, not to worry them, but, but to get them to understand reality. And then as, as silly as this might sound, for certain kids, they would respond well to almost making this kind of a game or a challenge. How many good ideas can you come up with that can help our family to spend less money over the next 90 days? Mm. And, and engage the kids in not a gloom and doom scenario, but a, let's just see what our family can accomplish when we all put our heads together for the next 90 days to, to see how many great ideas we can come up with not to spend money or to spend less. And as you engage the kids in that kind of a challenge, um, you'll, you'll all be moving in the same direction and, and actually will help them to get in touch with reality without, without them feeling like, you know, like everything is gloom and doom. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I do believe that this becomes an issue the whole family has to engage in. Mm. Yeah. A couple other things I would uh, want to mention too as we go through this process. Do not just load up your credit cards at this point. Do everything you can possibly do to avoid charging anything that you don't absolutely have to charge. 
And what would be in that absolutely have to charge category? Maybe we can give people a little bit more direction on that. Well, of course, every family is going to be different. But let's say, um, you know, you, you have to get some really critical medicine for one of your kids and you just don't have the, the cash on hand. You, you, you might have to charge it. But absolutely, under no circumstances should any discretionary spending be put on the credit card. So, you know, again, every family is going to be different there. But the idea that we're not going to supplement our lifestyle with credit during this 90 days is a mindset that you just have to, you just have to, uh, to, to keep in front of you. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, we, we as Americans are very independent and we're very proud. Do not resist any help other people want to give you. This is a time when, you know, Christians have historically, going back to the early church, you know, they sold things when they had extra to help others, and then there'd be time when others will, you know, we need to help each other, but part of helping each other also means accepting help from others when they want to help us. So to swallow some of our pride, no, 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 we're fine, but to say, yeah, we will receive that. Absolutely. That's going to be hard for some of us. And then the other thing, too, is contact your bank for any programs they may have to be able to ease any short-term financial burdens in any relationships you may have with them. Things like, you know, foregoing any kind of fees on checking accounts and things like that. I know a lot of banks are positioned to help, but we have to ask. Yeah. Okay. The other thing, this is a small thing that some people may not have thought about, is eliminate all auto debit payments from your bank. You know how for convenience, a lot of times we allow uh, companies to just pull money out of our account. We'll eliminate all of those because there may be some that you don't want to pay right now and you want to postpone and you want to work with them. You don't want that money disappearing because it was happening on an automatic debit. Mm. And then I know this is kind of obvious, but cancel all subscriptions and memberships for the next 90 days. Hmm. I can't think of any subscription or membership apart from maybe Netflix if you've got nothing to do. But I would say the vast majority of subscriptions and memberships can be canceled. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then don't hesitate to you know consider you know food pantries or looking for part-time work. Um, or you know, different things, different things like that. And I know this is is kind of tricky, but consider selling items before going into more debt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy, these are very practical, incredibly practical. I want to respond to just two, one of them and then ask you a question back to clarify more specifically on one. The food pantry in our community has made it very clear, this is not just for those who are homeless. In fact, oftentimes you'll see people come in from work, you know, a white collar Kind of situation, they say we will never ask questions. You never have to qualify by making X amount of money or not making X amount of money to eat there. They said oftentimes they would have, for example, like a, like a divorced situation where there's there's child support payment. He's got a good job, but a lot of child support is going, and he's got some other financial realities. He would come and eat uh, three or four times a week there, but save the money he didn't spend on food and actually spend it toward things like child support or on rent or things like that. 
and they think that's a beautiful way to serve the community. So we sometimes think that that those food soup, can, soup kitchens or food pantries are just for those who are homeless or in a completely dire straits. They never check ID. They're never asking about your level of, at least in our community, and I know many communities, that's the same way. So there's a stigma around that sometimes. And I think we need to let go of that stigma, especially in times like this, as well as if we can help to be willing to help in places like food pantries, which are just going to have increased need. Yeah, in that and, and that's why I'm glad you brought that up, because I think the other side of it is those of us who, who have resources and have a steady job, this would be a great time to put some of that extra margin into helping to provide food for the food pantries. Mm -hmm. Great. And then here's the question I have. You mentioned about the bank and talking to the bank. Um, I want to be careful. We don't, you know, it's not doom and gloom or panic at this point, but I know some people are already beginning to ask me, should I take cash out of the bank and keep it at my house? Uh, should I leave it in the bank? Is that safe? Or should I actually have a whole bunch of cash on hand? How might you respond to them if they were to ask that question? Yeah, the banks are going to be fine. The banks are not going under. So, no, taking a lot of cash out for fear purposes is not something I would recommend. However, however, if you have been buying most of what you buy on credit, on your credit card, I would take a whole bunch of cash out and use cash instead of credit when you're buying the necessities, because when you use cash, you actually spend less than when you're charging it. So yes, I think it's a good idea to have cash, not for fearful purposes, but for being able to actually use cash to spend less. Yeah, great, that's very helpful. Now we're gonna list some resources here on the website, and but I know some of them you've mentioned already were Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, Ron Blue is in the color, ronblue.com. has been very helpful. Compass Financial Ministries and Generous Giving. We will list all those and others on the website uh, and put the links there for you. If you want to look for further uh, tools and resources, there are a lot of them are available and we'll make sure that those are available to you. Before we end, Dad, is there anything else that you haven't shared that you want to make sure that you share and pass on to anyone who might be looking to make a difference and change in this new economic and financial reality? Well, there's one thing I was going to mention that I did mention that probably very few people know about, but may be very helpful now, is that you can actually get Form 9465 from the IRS, which will allow you to ask them for an installment payment on your taxes rather than having to pay them all on April 15th. And if paying your taxes due um, on an installment basis would be uh, would be good, uh, you can uh, you can call up on your on the IRS website form ninety four sixty five and actually go that route. It's one thing that may end up saving some cash flow to people as they spread out their tax payments. Yeah, that's great. IRS form ninety four sixty five. We'll also put a link to that uh, in in our notes as well. Uh, but thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for watching this uh, video as well. We want to encourage you to share this with others that you think would benefit from this kind of resource in this new economic reality. Check out the other resources in the links that are listed below, as I mentioned. And stay tuned. We're going to have other uh, video resources that we're going to create specifically uh, upcoming that we know about for pastors and for church leaders and Christian leaders with resources, perspective, 
uh, and wisdom on how to navigate this new economic reality within your church, your ministry, or your nonprofit. So continue to stay uh, uh, tuned to that. We'll be having resources on that. But again, thanks so much for joining us, Dad. I really appreciate this opportunity to glean from your wisdom, and I know other people will as well. 